God, amen. Amen is let it be true. We whose names are underwritten, the loyal subjects of our dread sovereign Lord King James, by the grace of God of Great Britain, France, and Ireland, King, defender of the faith, having undertaken for the glory of God and advancement of the Christian faith and the honor of our king and country, a voyage to plant the first colony in the northern parts of Virginia. No, remember this, northern parts of Virginia. That didn't happen. They got blown off course by the hand of God. Do by these presents, solemnly and mutually in the presence of, of God and one another, covenant and combine ourselves together into a civil body politic, a government, for our better ordering and preser preservation and furtherance of the ends aforesaid, and by virtue hereof do an act, constitute and frame such just and equal laws, ordinances, acts, constitutions, and officers from time to time as shall be thought most meet, that's another word for right, and convenient uh, for or if for the general good of the colony unto which we promise all due submission and obedience. Look at this, friends, listen. <laughs> On one screen is the governing document that gave birth to the greatest nation in economics, in invention, in war, in power, prosperity, you name it, liberty, freedoms, religious freedoms that the world has ever seen, that the world has ever known. And when this nation fades from off the scene, and it must, all nations come and go, then this nation would have been, was once, the greatest in all of these capacities. How and why did that happen? Because look how little and small our governing document was in those days. And it made perfect sense to them. And for some 57 years, they thrived. How did that happen? Because it didn't need to be written down on paper. Because for those who agreed, to those who signed, they had a Judeo-Christian worldview value embedded within them from their growing up, from their birth. You see, when you get further away from God, the government gets bigger. You take the big G and throw them out and re you replace it with the little G. You don't tithe anymore you pay taxes. <laughs> you don't cry out to God for all of your needs. You hold out your hand. And we are a nation far from God. And this document, I read it a couple times a year. It reminds me. Church family, let's stand.
As we read Psalm 100, just like we do in our services, I'll read the first verse. If you'll read the second verse, it's a very small psalm, five verses here. But it's the one that we're going to focus on tonight, and I'm going to read it, make a few comments, and we will have other pastors lead in various aspects. Psalm 100 Verse 1, make a joyful shout to the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God, and it is he who has made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful to him. Bless his name. For the Lord is good, his mercy is everlasting, and his truth endures to all generations. And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. A brief psalm, just like the Mayflower Compact, doesn't need to be long. Why? Because it's what's in the heart. Listen, everybody. Tomorrow, maybe, might be the day for you to minister like you never have before. You can even use, for example, the Mayflower Compact tomorrow. You can say to your friends and family, before we get going today, I'd like to just do something before we turn on the game and stuff ourselves. I want to just read two things. They're very short. Psalm 100 and the Mayflower Compact. There's no other nation on earth that gives you the opportunity to do that but the United States of America. You get to do that. You get to say this, that these pilgrim fathers left Europe because they were looking for a land that they believed God was leading them to to practice their Christian faith freely. And you saw today, tonight, that their declaration was this, to advance the gospel of Jesus Christ. Everybody knows this, I hope. But woe unto us if we forget it. I fear as a nation we have forgotten it. Listen, you may be watching right now. You may be here right now. You may not like what William Bradford and the pilgrims had to write, but they didn't ask you before they wrote it. This is their life, and this is their country. You are in their land now. This is what they gave us. And no matter what happens in our country, and no matter what happens in your life and in my life, we are to give God thanks. We are to praise him. We are to thank him. And I'm going to mention a few things and then step aside and Pastor Steve will come out. Look what it says here. I'm going to exaggerate. Make a joyful shout to the Lord, all you lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who has made us and not we ourselves. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name. For the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting. His truth endures to all generations. These points of exclamation, 
These are active words. These are verbs. They demand dynamic. And listen, friends, every single one of us, let's be honest, we could write a list right now. It's probably a good thing to do tonight, tomorrow. Write a list of things that you've been complaining about and then write a list of things that you're thankful for. And I pray that in your life, by God's mercy, your list of what you're grateful for exceeds what you're grumbling about. Because I got to tell you, you say, well, Pastor, we shouldn't grumble about anything. Wouldn't that be wonderful? <laughs> but I'm, I'm just being honest with you right now. We are a people who complain. People who are comfortable complain when they're uncomfortable. People who have, when they don't have more, they complain. Notice in the world around you that those who have very little are happy with very little. If you've ever traveled this world, people with dirt floors are very grateful to have them because they have a roof over their hut. And I'm going to just encourage you to nurture gratitude in your heart, thankfulness. Your, listen, your teenagers, your kids, your little ones, teach them how to be thankful. To be grateful. So tomorrow, uh, when we get together, Lisa learned this from her mom, and that is uh, each of us get five kernels of corn because that's very, very Plymouth, pilgrim-ish. And you have to, with each of the five kernels on your plate before the meal ever comes out, all you, all you get is five kernels of corn. That's it. And I'm not talking about ones that you... I'm not talking about popcorn. I'm not talking about they're cooked. I'm talking about you can break a window with them. <laughs> they rot off the cob, dried and hard. And you have to say five things you're thankful about. And you know it's a good practice when you get one down, you're gone, you're on a roll now, you got three, and then, it's, then you pause and you can see the eyes wander for a moment. What's the, what could possibly be the fourth thing I could be thankful for? You know what? We should be able to open up our mouths, people, and thankfulness should just flow out of us because we're so grateful that we've got not shoes. Listen, we've got shoes. Listen, we not only have shoes, we probably have two pairs of shoes. I've got pants on. I'm thankful that I've got a belt holding my pants on. Listen, you stop and think for a moment. You say, well, that's kind of silly. Not at all. You want to know why? Because when you don't have it, then you miss it. And listen, we don't know how free we are. And I'm wondering, I'm just wondering. No matter what, it's best for us to determine now that we're going to nurture gratitude because we don't know what we're going to have 365 days from today. You don't know where you're going to be living. You don't know if you're going to have a home. You don't know if you're going to have your health. You don't know. I don't know. Can you imagine this? What if a nuclear detonation takes place at, at about 65 miles above the earth? Nobody dies. Did you know that? Nobody dies. You don't even feel any heat. 
You don't die. You see a big flash. It depends on where it might happen in the world. You may not see a flash at all. But then you take out your phone to call your friend to ask them, did you see that flash? And you have no cell phone. Now, I don't know about you. I'm, I'm, I'm 60, almost 66 years old. I'm thinking, life without a cell phone would be awesome. <laughs> I lived half my life without one, and I know I can live without one. It's very, very comforting to think about of a, an EMP bomb blowing out our electronics. Can you imagine? What about my iPad? Gone. <laughs> How? What, 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 do I, what about Spotify? Or the, what about TikTok? Gone. Yeah. Woo! That'd be awesome. What am I going to watch? You'll have to use your imagination. <laughs> Read a book. But you see, we get all kinds of stuff, and we get it all messed up. Be thankful. Be a thankful people. We, of all people. If the mountains are removed and cast into the sea, and the earth shakes, and all that seems firm melts like wax, the scripture says, yet we will praise the Lord. We have eternity, friends. Remember that. That'll make you thankful. We want to take a look this evening at uh, a little closer at Psalm 100, and specifically uh, verse 4. It says, enter into his gates with thanksgiving. That entering into his gates it, with thanksgiving, it speaks of a mindset. It's, it's a very specific decision that we have to make, and that is to be thankful. This psalm was written in more of a, of a corporate setting. They're going up into Jerusalem, up into the, to the mountain top to where the temple is. And uh, so it's a corporate setting. It's, it's a together kind of a time, together kind of a meeting. So in that context, if they were to be thankful, um, honestly, it would call for some, some big ticket items. Uh, that's how we would refer to them. But if you think uh, about what's a big ticket item to be thankful for, a few weeks ago uh, we were talking with the men and uh, we're talking about thanksgiving in your prayer life. And uh, we just had men shout out things that they were thankful for. Well, this is one of them, and that is the, the gift of Jesus Christ and our salvation through him. What, what better thing could we be thankful for, honestly? Psalm 95 Verses 1 and 2 said, says, Oh, come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving. The last song that we just sang talked about, Thank you, Lord, for saving me. Right? Yeah. Another thing that would be one of those big ticket items in this corporate uh, Thanksgiving time would be God's Word, the Bible. How many of you do the one-year Bible reading? Yeah, lots of you. So I trust that you read 
that part of Psalm 119 this morning. In the first eight verses of our morning Bible reading today, there's literally eight references to God's word, where the psalmist is thankful for God's word. He says there, starting in verse 17, that I may live and keep your word, that I may see the wondrous things from your law. These are different ways the psalmist is describing his thankfulness for God and his word. Do not hide your commandments from me. My soul breaks with longing for your judgments who stray from your commandments for you have kept your testimonies. Verse 23, your servant meditates on your statutes and your testimonies are my delight and my counselors. That, that psalm, again, in the first eight verses, there's eight references to his word. That's how highly he prizes his word, and we should be thankful that God's given us his word. Another big-ticket item in our thankfulness would be just the blessings of God's protection for us as a nation, for us as a people. Well, I believe that the, de the decision to be thankful is not only a decision for corporate thanksgiving, but it's something that we do personally. Pastor Jack talked about being around the Thanksgiving table tomorrow. And I don't know about you, did you have to go around and say what you're thankful for? Yeah. So if you had kids, it's probably, well, I'm thankful for my Nintendo, I'm, I'm thankful for my bike. Um, and then if you got behind the person that was thankful for their family, you, you couldn't think of another thing. At least I couldn't, right? But I thought in the same way that the Pilgrim Fathers that Pastor Jack talked about tonight gave us a foundation, a godly heritage, I thought, I'm just going to let you in on what I'm thankful for this year. And that is, I'm thankful for my parents and the godly heritage that they gave me. You might say, well, how, how did they do that? Proverbs 20, verse 7, I believe, is how they did that. It says in Proverbs 20, verse 7, the righteous man walks in his integrity and his children are blessed after him. A few years back, I was uh, asked to go out and pray for uh, a family whose, whose father was dying. And, and God gave me this verse on the way to that, that time of prayer. And as we gathered around his bed, what was true is, yes, he was physically dying. He was a man who loved the Lord, who walked in his integrity, and surrounding him, were his children who were blessed after him. Well, how do we define a righteous man? I, I think the Bible says there's none righteous, no, not one, right? But yet, this, this verse talks about the righteous man walking in his integrity. It doesn't say the perfect man. It says the righteous man. That's, that's a man whose heart is right with God. 
My parents demonstrated that in our home. Proverbs 15, verse 9 says, The way of the wicked is an abomination to the Lord, but he who loves him, who follows, but he loves him who follows or pursues righteousness. That's how you become a righteous man. It's by pursuing the righteousness of God, pursuing God. What does it mean to walk in your integrity? It simply means that you're doing what God has instructed you to do. If you're pursuing God in, in righteousness, then you'll be asking that question. God, what do you want me to do in this situation? You'll ask that question uh, probably hundreds of times during the day. Because what you want to do is you want to walk rightly before the Lord. Right? That verse goes on to say, and his children are blessed after him. I have been a recipient of that blessing. Lord, to watch my parents walk in integrity... Truly, I am blessed after them. In the same way, honestly, we are, as a people, blessed from the example of our pilgrim fathers, right? They, they began that, that foundation of a godly heritage in us as a nation. Well, some of you may be saying, uh, but Pastor Steve, I, I can't be thankful for a godly heritage. I don't have one. Or maybe, uh, maybe I, you know, I'm not even a parent. Well, the truth is, you can begin that godly heritage in your life today. Maybe you're one of the ones who caused your parents a great deal of, of uh, angst. And, and now you've figured out that, for the most part, they were right, and you were just running. Right? Maybe you... You're turning to the Lord now at this time of your life. Well, the challenge I have for you is you don't, you don't have to stay there. You have an opportunity to pursue righteousness, to follow the Lord, and you can start doing that today. You can purpose in your heart to walk in integrity before the Lord, to obey him in, in, in everything that you do you can begin to set that foundation and that groundwork of righteousness so that you can be one who passes along to the next generation those blessings, just as our pilgrim fathers did. Going back to Psalm 100, verse 4, it says... Enter into his gates with thanksgiving. So, so my question to you is, will you adopt that mindset of being thankful? I, I believe it's a choice. It's a decision. I will be thankful. Not, not that it's hard, but we have to sometimes purpose that we will be thankful. We will be a thankful people. So tomorrow's Thanksgiving, Right? What are you going to be thankful for? Good evening. You know, this is a really special psalm. Uh, throughout the history of English-speaking churches, 
Uh, this psalm was known as the Old 100th. And, uh, you know, it, it comes, uh, the, what we know from ancient history is that more than likely the Israelites would uh, chant and sing this as they uh, entered the special feast day of Israel. And, uh, you know, it's interesting because it is the only psalm that has a specific marker that says a praise uh, or, a, excuse me, a psalm of thanksgiving. Uh, there surely are other psalms that have to do with thanksgiving, but notice in your Bibles, look at the very beginning. Uh, that was not added, that is in the original, a psalm of thanksgiving. Now, moving on to the part two of verse four of what we're focusing on, uh, we find that not only do we enter into the gates with thanksgiving, uh, but we go a little bit further and into uh, his courts with praise. And so the first question, I got three questions as we kind of work our way through this, is what are we to do? Well, we're told we are to enter in. We are to enter into. And the fact that you and I have the entrance into the presence of God is truly amazing. And it's something we ought not to take for granted. The New Testament version of this idea of entrance is uh, the word access. The Bible in the New Testament says that you and I, through our faith in Jesus, we have access to the Father. And really, this is the message of the Bible, is it not? Enter in. Come to me. Draw near to me, God says over and over again. Search for me. Enter in. And it is an awesome promise that we can become so familiar with, but think about it tonight. We're going to be worshiping and we are entering into the very presence of God. And you and I can, of course, we are to, when we enter in, we are to do this reverently. Oh, but you and I, brothers and sisters, we can do it boldly, the Bible says. That he is our shepherd and we are his sheep. He is our father and we are his children. And so what do we do? We enter in. But where are we to enter? Well, this particular verse says, first of all, his gates, and second, his courts. Now, his courts, this is kind of uh, an interesting thing, a word that we don't typically use, but think of the word courtyard. That's literally what it means, into his courtyard. Uh, it is, uh, the word means an enclosed area. Now, of course, this is an obvious reference to what would have been the courtyard of the temple, right? So you have the temple, but then you have the temple mount. You have the gates, and then you enter into the court or the courtyard. You see, to enter his courts is to enter his presence. The temple was the manifested presence of God to his people Israel. And uh, it made me think of Psalm 84, verse 10 and 11. Amazing psalm says, for a day in your courts is better than a thousand or a thousand elsewhere. The psalmist here says, I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. And I love this. No good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly. Man, if you've been in Jesus' presence, nothing in this world tastes good anymore. It, to be with him for a day, you would take it above anything else in life. You know, the great thing, that under the new covenant, you and I not only get to enter into the gates, 
we not only get to go into the courtyard, oh, but we get to go into the holy of holies. The Bible says that the veil has been torn and we, by the blood of Christ, get to enter in. Hebrews 10, 19 says, therefore, brethren, having boldness, we get to go in with boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus. You see, in in a Jew's mind, this would be a no-go zone. They would never even think about going in. But for you and I, because of what Jesus did, we not only get the presence of God, but we can't get any closer. Can I get an amen? amen? Now, thirdly, how are we to enter? We're to enter into his courts, and we're to do it with praise. This word praise here, it means to offer words. It's not, it's not in your head or in your heart. To offer praise here uh, means to actually speak out loud. It is to adore. And the God of the scriptures is worthy to be praised. He is absolutely deserving of our words, our songs, our affection, and our adoration towards him. Psalm 96 verse 4 says, For the Lord is great and greatly to be praised. He is to, fear, he is to be feared above all gods. You see, why are we worshiping God? It is the, the greatness of God that lays the basis for our praise. And so the more that we think of the greatness of God, uh, I think the louder our praises get. He is greatly to be praised. Now this praise though, it's not for a singular moment that we gather together. It's not for a singular day, but it is to be continual. All times, the Bible says. Psalm 34 verse 1, you can look there on the screen. The Bible says, I will bless the Lord at all times and his praise shall continually be in my mouth. Listen, if you've experienced the presence of God it's going to be hard to get you to be quiet about him and praise him. It will just come out. You know, the Bible says that in Psalm 2 that he is enthroned on the praises of Israel. Now, the better translation there is the fact that he inhabits the praises of his people. And what I want to tell you tonight is that God is still inhabiting the praises of his people. God is here tonight. And it's amazing to think that he actually desires our worship. He desires our thanksgiving and praise, not because he needs it. Never mistake that uh, for God's desires for his needs, God has no needs. But the fact that he, being the self-sufficient God, allows himself to experience feelings and emotions based upon our worship. Meaning it, I believe it brings God joy. Right, and the Bible kind of describes that. And the Bible describes it as a sweet-smelling aroma. The fact that it pleases God. Can't wait for tomorrow because there's going to be a whole lot of good aromas. <laughs> but listen, God is also, he's not smelling the pies. He's not smelling the turkey. I believe it's those praises, those, those thanksgivings that we give to him. Now when it comes to us as New Testament followers of Christ, this does not change. 1 Peter 2.9 describes this for us. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, 
a holy nation, his own special people, Peter just keeps describing something so profound that we're his. And he says that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. You see, it is our praises that is our offering. It is our praises that are our sacrifice. No other blood needs to be shed. No other animal needs to be offered up. Now you and I don't offer up grain offerings and, you know, I mean, and all those things that they did in the Old Testament, a lot cleaner. You and I, we offer up, as now his royal priesthood, we offer up praises. We offer up thanksgiving. Hebrews 13, 15 says, therefore, by him, the only way we can do this is by him. In him, by him, through him, for him, all that, let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. Now, do I think that God is pleased when we think thoughts of him and and we adore him just within our personal self? Absolutely. We should be doing that all day. No one even knows about it. But there's something about a time like tonight that we gather together and that you hear one another sing. And there's something about saying it out loud that just changes things. I don't know who might be in the sanctuary tonight, but maybe you don't typically sing during times of corporate worship. Maybe you're worried about your voice or anything like that. Listen, tonight, you sing louder than you ever have tonight and God will be pleased regardless of how you sound. Amen? Pastor Shadrach's going to come up and finish, finish us out. A little bit different than normal, yeah? yeah. It's on here. How about turn this on? I can talk loud. <laughs> I was the kid in class that was always told uh, it's a pleasure to have in class if he would stop talking. <laughs> but now I make a living off talking. So it's great. And I'm thankful for that. Listen, have you ever thought about the fact that when you dwell on what you don't have, you'll never have enough. But if you focus on what you do have, you'll always have enough. Tonight we're doing something very different, and that is that we're taking a section each and preparing our hearts for a time of extended worship. In Psalm 100 verse 4, it says, be thankful to him and bless his name. Be thankful to him. The word here in the verbiage means to use your mouth and say it out loud. Sometimes we're thankful in our heart. Have you ever been thankful for somebody, but you never told them you were thankful for them? And this, this I find quite common within households with kids, right? You're pleased. You're proud of your kids. Um, you're thankful for the children that you have, but you don't often tell them. And maybe you only tell them when they're doing something wrong. You tell them when they're, they're not taking out the trash or they're not making their bed or whatever. But what we need to do is we need to tell people that we're thankful for them. We need to tell our kids when we're proud of them and thankful for the things that they've done so that they hear us bless them. In the same way, we're to use our mouth to bless God. Look at what it says in Psalm 107 verse 21. It says, Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness. And for his wonderful works to the children of men, let them sacrifice the sacrifices of thanksgiving and declare his works with rejoicing. 
We're going to have a time to do that tonight. We want you to declare the things that God is doing in your life. We want you to thank him for those things. Colossians 3.15 says, Let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which you were also called in one body, and be thankful. Look at what it says in verse 16. This is with our mouths, out loud. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly with all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Could you imagine if we walked around church like that? Good morning, brother. How are you? I'm excellent, and it's good to see you. No, you sit here, and I'll sit over there. Could you imagine? <laughs> Singing, making melody in your hearts. I'm so happy to see you. You know, people would think that is this some sort of musical or something? What's the matter with you people? But wouldn't that create some joy, some something that people desire in the world? I mean, look at people around in the world, they're so miserable. They're so miserable or they're so fearful. And Christian, we don't need to be fearful in the middle of what's going on in the world around us. We know the end. Go, go read the book of Revelation again. If you start getting sad, go read the book of Revelation. And, and be reminded that God is on his throne. And that in the end, it's all going to, to be dealt with by the Lord. You don't need to worry about it. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16, it says, Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. In everything, give thanks. Thank you, Lord, for the flat tire on my car today. I did not have a flat tire. But let's just say you woke up and you had a flat. You go to start the car and it won't start. I'll tell you what. One time, I, I think one time in my life I was able to do this. I was driving down the 55 freeway. I had a four-wheel drive truck. It was a Toyota. And a rod went right through the case of the motor. I was driving and it was, you know, driving down to work. And started making this noise and it went, Boom. And the truck was going, it's still running though. It's a Toyota. <laughs> I pulled over to the side of the road and I got out. I, I opened the hood and I looked in and smoke was coming out. And I kid you not, there was a hole that big right in the side of the case. And I couldn't believe it. I shut the hood, turned the truck off, and I hopped a fence because I didn't have a cell phone back then. Hopped a fence off the 55 freeway went and found a payphone, and I, I don't know why, but when I got out and I jumped the fence, I said, thank you, Lord, for this happening, because I know you're going to do something great through this. And you know what he did? I needed a new clutch. That was going to be $800. I don't know why it was so expensive, but it was going to be really expensive. For $1,000, I had a friend that helped me rebuild the motor. He said, if you help me rebuild the motor, I will not charge you any labor. You just pay for the parts. And he gave me it all at a discount. So for, for $1,000, I got a new motor and a new clutch. God is good. He, he provided. Try it sometime. When things are just going really bad, thank you, Lord, that I have a car to break down. See what he does. And then bless him. I, I mean, I thought about this for a moment. I thought, to, how do we bless God? Have you ever thought about that? How do I bless God? And this doesn't make any sense to me. And then the only thing that I could think, you know, when my kids were little and they would do things like, th there's just things that they might do that would really bless me. Now I have entered into grandparenthood. I have a granddaughter. 
And so when she looks at me and she smiles, that blesses me. You know, when you're sitting there and you go, hey, beautiful, and she just lights up and smiles, and if she reaches out her hands or does something, that to me just is an absolute blessing. So I thought, Lord, if that's what you mean, I get it. But if it's, I don't know what else I could possibly do to bless God, right, in the way that I think. Well, look at Psalm 103, verse 1. It says, bless the Lord, O my soul. It's like telling yourself or reminding yourself to bless the Lord, And all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquities. Not some of them, all of them. Who heals all your diseases. Listen to this. Who redeems your life from destruction. Look, you, you might not realize it right now. You might be sitting in here tonight. Maybe a family member brought you. But you're on the path to destruction you don't realize that you are, because when you're living your life without Jesus, it doesn't, it's not like immediately obvious to you that your life is headed towards destruction. But my life was headed towards destruction, and Jesus intervened, and he pulled me out of that. And you know, when he pulled me out of it, I wasn't looking for him. He was looking for me, and he, and he, and he knew right where I was. But then when he called out to me and I recognized I need Jesus as my Lord and Savior, I'll tell you what, that day is a day that changed my life forever. And I look back on my life and now I see so clearly that path of destruction that he saved me from. And I'm so very thankful. It says, who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Isn't that amazing? So we have to remind ourselves of this sometimes. Now go back to Psalm 100, verse 5, and we're going to see the reason why. This is why we need to enter his courts. We need to be thankful. We need to bring praise. It says in verse 5, for the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting, and his truth endures to all generations. Because he is good, the word good is found 500 times in your Bible. 500 times. You wouldn't know what bad was if it wasn't for God. You wouldn't know what bad was because there is good and God is good. God is good. He is morally good. He is morally upright. That's why we know what good and evil are. You have to understand Psalm 106, verse 1, it says, Praise the Lord. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good and his mercy endures forever. I can't wait to in, be in eternity with him and experience that mercy forever. Isn't that going to be amazing? Amen. Can't you wait to get out of this place? Yes. Like, really. I mean, like, really. Do you really, really want to get out of here? Or are you like, okay, I wouldn't mind getting out of here, but I'm getting married next week and I'd like to wait till after that. I mean, I really, really want to get out, but I was going to get a new car tomorrow, so uh, it's Black Friday, so I was going to get a new iPod. Uh, if I could just go on Saturday, maybe, I could play around with that new thing a little bit. Or sometimes it's fun when a couple is about ready to get married, and you say, wouldn't it be amazing if the rapture happened right now? And the bride's always like, that would be amazing, and the husband-to-be is like, you just go away. <laughs> 
Psalm 107, verse 1. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His mercy endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. That's where we come in. That's what we're going to do tonight. Whom he has redeemed from the hand of the enemy. Satan was just waiting to watch your demise. And then Jesus interrupted his little plan. Praise the Lord. Isn't that awesome? He was like, okay, I got him going. Yeah, they're deceived. Uh-huh. Uh-oh, here comes Johnny. He's inviting him to church. That's okay. We'll get him to believe there's no God. There's no such thing as absolute morality. You know, we'll get him to believe all this other stuff. And then all of a sudden, bam, that person comes to Jesus and Satan's plans are thwarted. It's beautiful. The second reason, because his mercy is everlasting. And I like the fact that the word mercy is, in different translations, it's rendered as loving kindness, faithful love, steadfast love, and unfailing love. Isn't that awesome? That God loves us and he gives us mercy. Do you know mercy is not getting what we deserve? Grace is getting what we don't deserve. It's phenomenal. And then last, because his truth endures to all generations. The word truth is firmness, faithfulness, truth, honesty. And it means to remain in one place. If it's one thing that we've seen from our culture, it's that truth can change by the person, by the moment, by the minute, whatever they feel like in the moment, then that determines their reality. We've been watching this degradation of truth for years, but now it's astounding at what people will believe. You could put real, true, scientific facts right in front of their face, and they will read it, and then they will say, that's not true. They will get Snopes to fact check it, and it will not be true any longer. But God's truth never changes. And you know what? It doesn't bend. You cannot take God's truth and twist it ever so slightly at all. It's fixed. It's fixed. And I love that. Jesus said in John 8, 31, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. And he said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through him. He is the truth. And tonight, as we wrap up this part of our evening, we're going to invite you to come up. We've created some more space up here in the front. We took out a couple of rows for you to come with your family and get in the aisles tonight that we might rejoice, that we might praise, that we might bless, that we might worship our Lord. And might I say, this is not like, oh, good, the message is over early so I can leave. <laughs> no, we've got all the doors locked and the cameras are running. And if you leave early, <laughs> we'll be talking to you on Sunday. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> But we want to invite you guys up as we close and worship the Lord this evening. And you've heard the exhortation from his word tonight to do just so. So, Father, we thank you for this time, for this place, God, that you've given us these walls that we might come together corporately tonight to lift up your name. Lord, to bless you. You've been so good to us as a people, you're so faithful. Your loving kindness, your mercy, your grace. And Lord, we want to just present ourselves to you tonight. 
We pray that you'd wash us clean. Forgive us of our sins. Lord Jesus, have your way in this place. We surrender this time to you. And Lord, may our children, as they're watching us tonight, see what it means to worship. And I pray that it would begin something in each and every one of our homes that tonight from this place, our kids would see us regularly worshiping you. That tomorrow as we sit down with our families, we would take everything that each of the pastors spoke tonight and employ them. That we would remind our children why we have this great country in which we live. And for anybody watching wherever they live, Lord, we surrender this time to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Body, let's get up. Let's worship Jesus.